Coming to you from the middle of the country, a new voice in politics, a show that is breaking away from the two-party system. In the Middle, with your host, Justin Staten. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy Friday morning to you. I'm glad you made it back for another episode. Is America in a debt spiral? I don't know. I think we might be, but we are definitely going to talk about it today. And did Fox News actually decide to censor Tucker Carlson? There's some mounting evidence that they have, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, because if so, that's it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to happen in America if we have a news outlet censoring its journalists based off of the, the demands of congressional representatives. Uh, and I've got a public service announcement for you guys today. So uh, but before we get on to that, like always, guys, hey, if you got anything from the show, you know, I don't I don't do the ads. I well, because nobody does ad revenue with me yet, but I don't run them. It's, I just bring the show to you every day. So if you like what you hear, made you think, made you laugh, made you cry, made you want to write me a hateful email, please share the show. I'd really appreciate it. Also, make sure to leave a rating and review because that'll help me make the show better. It'll also push it up in the algorithm so that other people can find the show. And I would appreciate it. Thanks. So without further ado, let's get on with it. So you guys know, and I covered it, that Tucker Carlson was releasing the January 6th videos that nobody has seen yet. And I think it needed to happen. I'm glad that it happened. And then all hell broke loose and all the swamp rats there in D.C. freaked out went on the floor of the Senate, Chuck Schumer specifically, and demanded that Fox News uh, tell Tucker Carlson he couldn't run any more J6 videos, which is crazy. I mean, that is a direct violation of the First Amendment. However, and I, I think I mentioned this before, if you're keeping up and paying attention, you know, Tucker came on and he promised to release more shows and then didn't and he hasn't since Tuesday of this week. And a lot of that pushback came on Tuesday. So it there is some mounting evidence. Even the Gateway Pundit published a story that said, you know, did did Rupert Murdoch shut Tucker down? There's rumblings that Tucker changed his show plan after threats and pressure from the regime, the regime being the executives at Fox News. If this is true, that's bad. That means we're definitively and unfortunately in a police state because that means members of Congress, the political establishment, can apply public pressure to censor our First Amendment rights. We, always, we already know they were, with the Twitter files, that they were providing private pressure to social media companies to censor Americans. But this would be a whole new level, and it's unacceptable. I, I can't believe more people fired back at Chuck Schumer and Rich McConnell. Um, I know it's Mitch McConnell, but, you know, he got all that free money from China. So we call him Rich McConnell. Um, you know, the, the outrage should be with them for publicly, as government officials, trying to censor Tucker. So I don't know, and I don't know what the answer is, but the interesting thing is I recorded the show last night 
And when I got home, I watched that Tucker's show uh, because I wanted to see, is there any more January 6th videos? And I've been waiting all week because he said he was going to post more, and he hasn't. But a funny thing happened. He did this random segment in the middle of the show about seven sheep in New Jersey who escaped a slaughterhouse. It's a true story. And he had the, the, the officer, the, uh, I don't know, the animal control officer, and the, this guy from uh, Sanctuary Farm there in New Jersey. So it's, it's a real story. But anyway, in the middle of his show, he airs this segment about these seven sheep that escaped from a slaughterhouse. And it, it just seemed completely out of place. The, the whole segment, uh, it's nothing <laughs> that I've ever seen him do before. I mean, it was like a fluff se- uh, set section of his show that I've never, or segment is what I meant to say, of a show that I've never seen before. And just some of the nuances in, in how he was covering this story about these sheep escaping a slaughterhouse, the questions he was asking, it almost was like a middle finger because, I mean, he has the highest rated show on cable news TV, um, maybe all of cable TV, but definitely the highest watched ranked show for cable news. And it just like this is not I mean, right in the middle of your show, prime time, he does this story. And I think if a lot of people saw it, they probably thought it was just a fluff piece, maybe because they didn't show the January 6 videos that they had to, you know, fill time. But I don't see it quite like that. Um, I think there was more to it. And the reason I think there was more to it is because he did the whole sheep segment and was weird about it. And then he closes out a show by saying, you know, I can't stop thinking about the sheep story. You know, if you see an opportunity to escape, maybe you should take it. And I'm quoting or paraphrasing what he said to close his show. Maybe you should take it. And then he said, maybe there's a metaphor in that. Maybe we'll cover that tomorrow. And that got me thinking. I've never seen anything like that out of him. Um, So I think the censorship happened. I think Fox News put the kibosh. They were pressured by the swamp, which, again, just to be clear, direct violation of the First Amendment. I don't care who the news agency is, who the anchor is, the reporter, the journalist. It's a direct violation of the First Amendment. And side note, sidebar, if you guys saw the hearings, which I'm going to probably talk about on Monday up on Capitol Hill with the the uh, journalists who released the Twitter files, they had Democrats literally uh, calling them so-called journalists, um, treating them like the First Amendment didn't, didn't matter. So we're already seeing from the Democrat Party and some in the Republican Party that the Democrat Party straight up does not care about the constitution. Do I mean we've seen that now with the with the January 6 videos and some of these people that went to jail without having uh, possible sculptory evidence provided for their defense. The the Democrats have straight up shown that they do not care about the constitution. And many Republicans and, and my estimation is many more Republicans 
are going to start showing the same over the next several months, that they also could care less about the Constitution. So I think censorship happened on Tucker's show. I think the executives felt pressured, and they told him not to run another story. And I think what's going to happen tonight, if, if you guys set your DVR, watch it live, I have a suspicion that either Tucker's going to drop more Jan 6 videos against the will of the executives, or he is going to tell the American people that he was pressured and censored by the executives because of people like Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, and he is going to quit Fox News, and it'll be his last show, and he's going to do it live. Uh, because that whole sheep segment, the whole, you know, there's a metaphor to that, possibly. We'll cover it tomorrow. It, it was off. It just was weird. He's not released any more Jan 6. And that would be devastating to Fox News. He gets the highest ratings, the most views. Um, Fox News will quickly become CNN as far as ratings are concerned. And, you know, I would encourage him to do it. I would encourage any independent journalist who doesn't give a crap about party politics, but rather progress in America, get out of these corporate media, uh, propaganda, you know, what, whatever we want to call them. They're, they're garbage. But get out. Go, go the independent route. And I think, I think we're going to see that potentially with Tucker Carlson. I could be completely off and completely wrong, but I've never seen a segment quite that strange that had the metaphor of sheep being led to the slaughter, but then escaping the slaughterhouse and living out their life in peace and harmony, doing whatever they want to do independently. <sighs> there might be something to that. I don't know, guys. Um, but we'll see. So is America in a debt spiral? Well, first, what's a debt spiral? Why am I bringing it up? Well, because you, as you guys know, I check the debt clock often. We're already at 30, 31 trillion in debt. It's getting out of control. And thanks to both parties, doesn't matter who's been in the White House or who's you know been in the majority in Congress, they have racked up over the last 10 years, 12, 15 years, Trillions and trillions. I mean, we're, all, we're I remember when we were at like 10 trillion and that was a big deal. Um, now we're almost overnight at 31 trillion in debt. And it, it's got me concerned. That's why I keep my eye on it. I want to see, well, like, what's, what's my share of that? And, you know, I've told you guys <laughs> what your share of that is. And it's definitely something to pay attention to and watch. And it makes me nervous because if, the United States government were to default, um, guys, that's an economic tsunami. It, it would be devastating. Um, so I try to keep my eye on it, and I came across this really good thread on Twitter by James Lavish, and he was posing the same question. You know, is the United States in a debt spiral? And I, let me back up, and what's a debt spiral? Well, a debt spiral is where you keep taking out debt, the debt grows, your interest payments on that grow, your revenue shrinks, so then you have to take out more debt to operate, and then that cycle keeps going, but then at some point, you, your interest payments get so large that now you're taking out debt just to pay interest. Like you're, you're borrowing money just to make your interest payments. And unless revenues go 
up really high or expenses come down really low, the debt spiral kicks in and eventually you go bankrupt. It, you just run out of money. You run out of the ability to pay not only your expenses, but your interest payments on the money that you've borrowed. It happens in business. It happens in personal finances. Um, and it also could happen to our government because the government is not a business, but it kind of operates like one. It brings in revenue. It has expenses. It has budgets. Uh, and it has to be able to manage that to stay solvent. So it's been a concern. And I think a lot of us, just as much as we've been sleep at, uh, sleep at the wheel with you know, our politicians and putting the worst of the worst in office. I think we, you know, they've been running up the tab and I think we've been asleep at the wheel monitoring this and understanding how this could negatively affect us. So it's been a concern. And I came across this thread and I wanted to share it with you uh, because James Lavish, um, and so James Lavish is, you know, he's a hedge fund manager, you know, used to be, um, you know, he's in the fintech, Bitcoin. The guy's basically a money manager, and I think he manages a Bitcoin fund now. Um, but he posed the same question. Are we in a, in a, in a debt spiral? And I, I think this is so important to talk about because if we are, and I kind of believe we are already, um, you know, we're not that far away from our debt payments, like the, our interest on our debt costing us more than our defense spending annually, which is 800 and some billion. So, you know, our debt service is approaching a trillion a year if we don't do something, which is, it's almost unfathomable to have a trillion dollars in debt service. It's, it's almost unimaginable how much money that is. So, I'm going to share this thread with you guys. I'm going to go through it. All the credit to James Lavish. Um, this is an amazing thread that he put out kind of explaining this. And I, I just thought it would be good for those of you who've you know, not paid attention to this stuff, kind of doesn't really make sense to you. Don't, you don't really know how it all works. I'm gonna just going to go down the thread because he, he does a phenomenal job of breaking this down. And I want to share it with you guys. So here we go. So he starts off by saying, the government as a business. So like frame this in your mind as the government as a business. So before we get into any debt specifics, let's first cover the basics of how government operates financially. And while it's an absolute beast of an operation, it can be boiled down into some pretty simple parts that mirror a typical company. And that's a good point. And I think that's why a lot of us get confused because we look at the sheer size of the government and all its intricacies and its operations, and it's a beast. It, there's a lot. And I think, you know, when anytime you look at a lot of numbers on a chalkboard, you start to kind of fall asleep, right? So let's, he's gonna boil it down. First, like any business, a government has revenues and expenses and often borrows money using debt. 95% of U.S. government revenues come from taxes. That's individual and corporate income, payroll, and excise taxes. 5% comes from estate taxes, customs, Fed earnings, penalties, and other fees. Just like a business, there must be enough revenue to cover all expenses. 
sport to keep operating, right? You have to have more revenue than you do expenses. Otherwise, the companies cease to exist. So to track your revenue or to cover all of expenses, you have a budget. And then in the business of running a country, taxes should cover all government expenses. Because in the government, its revenue is tax revenue, what I just mentioned, and some of the other fees and excise tax, etc. So the, the country, the taxes should cover all government expenses in the country. Infrastructure, defense, entitlements, etc., as well as interest payments on its debt. So there has to be enough revenue to cover all of that. Infrastructure, defense, entitlements, etc. So infrastructure is like, you know, the Biden administration saying, we're going to spend a billion dollars on infrastructure, train tracks, bridges, roads, networks. Uh, part of their infrastructure is to put in charging stations, for example. Defense, that's DOD and entitlements, Social Security, Medicare. Okay, got it? Great. Let's keep moving. But it also has to have enough to cover interest payments. And of course, they don't. We spend far more than we make as the U.S. is perpetually operating in a deficit. And then he puts a cool little graph in that shows where the, the current U.S. federal budget is now and what it looks like. And I'll just kind of give you the bare bones. So as of outlays, so our expenses, it's $6.6 trillion a year. That's about 31% of our total GDP. So all the money we make from goods, all goods and services throughout a whole year for the whole country. It's 31%. Revenue, on the other hand, is 16% of GDP or $3.4 trillion. So you can already see deficit, right? We spend more than we bring in. So what's a debt spiral? If a government is operating in a deficit, it can either cut expenses. <laughs> ha, like we already know that's not going to happen, right? Hasn't been able to happen yet. Or generate more income by stimulating GDP. So how can we stimulate GDP? Well, think wars or raising taxes. Because in history, the things that have stimulated GDP the fastest are, have been wars or hiking up taxes, extremely hiking up taxes. Problem is cutting expenses costs votes. War can lead to future productivity damage. Higher taxes can impact companies' ability to grow and in turn hurt the country's GDP, leading to lower tax revenues. The easiest thing to do and what our government typically does is just issue more debt to cover the budget. Problem solved, right? Well, we know what happens to a company that issues too much debt and winds up unable to pay the interest on it. It becomes distressed. And if it cannot fix its budget problem, it will eventually go bankrupt. The difference is countries are given far more leeway in the amount of debt they can issue before investors begin to balk or, i.e., get pissed off and want to stop investing or get their money back. We often look at debt to GDP to measure a country's financial health. 
But we can also look at the country's budget, its actual revenue and expenses. Using these, we can calculate an interest cover ratio, which is tax revenues minus entitlements minus defense spending, etc., divided by our interest expense. Now, this is a this calculation is very simplified. Um, there are a ton of budgetary items in the federal government. But to keep it simple, let's just think tax revenues minus entitlements minus defense, which are our biggest budgetary items. Everything else is a fraction of those costs divided by our interest expense, okay? Bottom line, if the number is lower when we do that math, then one to one, i.e. there are more interest expenses than revenues left over to pay them, then the country must borrow more money by issuing more debt. This only leads to higher interest expenses or interest expense payments, which makes the ratio even worse. Think of it like this. You run up the balance on a credit card. The monthly payments are then more than you have after mandatory costs like mortgage, car loans, and food. So what do you do? Your monthly payments are more than you have, right? After your expenses. So what do you do? You open a new credit card to cover the gap, right? but your credit card score is now worse. And the interest rate on the new card is even higher. Hence, the monthly payments are even higher. Plus, you've borrowed even more. What's the solution to this? You open yet another credit card to cover the raised expenses and so on and so on. And before you know it, you're trapped. Many of you maybe have experienced this at some point. It's no different for America, for our country, right? To perpetually operate in a deficit. And that's what it's like, right? Just think of it as, you know, you're trying to meet your monthly expenses. You keep taking on more expenses. You know, you open a credit card to help with those expenses. And then now you've got more expenses because you got another credit card with a higher interest rate and another payment. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And now you're taking out credit to pay credit expenses, right? Or interest expense. So it's no different for the U.S., it perpetually operates in a deficit. More debt equals higher interest rates, higher deficits, more debt. As it worsens, investors lose confidence in the country and demand higher rates for the country's bonds, only worsening the situation. And then you're in the debt spiral. So what's the situation for the U.S. now? Well, let's peek at the U.S. budget. You can see total U.S. federal debt is now $30.7 trillion. It's actually 31. And U.S. GDP is $24 trillion. Including all federal, state, and local debt, the current debt-to-GDP ratio is 1.37, or 137%. Not great, even at first glance, right? But let's dig a little deeper here. So... Just, well, let me back up so you guys uh, stay with me here, okay? This is important. So if we include all of our federal, state, and local debt to our current GDP, we're at 137% of debt to GDP, okay? All right, let's go a little deeper. The debt clock shows $4.4 trillion in tax revenues, but the U.S. Congressional Budget Office counts $400 billion in other taxes to total $4.8 trillion. That's revenues. 
even if we go with the CBO and give them the benefit of the doubt, it still doesn't look good. Why? Entitlement spending plus interest on debt is far greater than revenues. Taking the same CBO numbers, we see mandatory expenses total $3.7 trillion. Includes all entitlements signed into legislation, everything that has to be spent. Uh, it's an absolute obligation. So we, the, it's been legislated. Our dum-dums in Congress have guaranteed that money, okay? So if it's 3.7 and we add the $800 billion of defense spending and our, our expenses get to $4.5 trillion, guys, $4.8 trillion is a lot. Or sorry, $4.5 trillion. So $4.8 trillion taxes minus $3.7 trillion in entitlements minus another $800 billion in defense equals a $300 billion budget. Problem is the U.S. currently owes $400 billion on interest annually. And guys, we don't have to be geniuses to do that math. Okay, so if we have $300 billion left after all of our tax revenue, all of our spending, but we have $400 billion in interest payments, which we do, What's the problem there? Well, 300 billion minus 400 billion is a negative 100 billion. Oops. Interest coverage, uh, interest coverage ratio at that point, which is, remember, interest coverage ratio is a way to look at a country's financial health, becomes 0.75, less than one. Here's where the math gets really ugly. With rising rates and current debt, matures as current debt matures and needs to be replaced the additional interest costs adds up rapidly why because if we replace 30 trillion of debt at 3.2% the annual interest expense becomes 1 trillion dollars which i mentioned at the top of this because you're right now with interest rates going up guys we're replacing in order to borrow more money and to pay off our debt expense we are we have to borrow more money at higher interest rates. So we're basically replacing old debt, because this is debt, right? It's a debt deficit. We're replacing old debt with new debt that's more expensive. See how the spiral keeps going? So we could get our interest payments to $1 trillion here very quick. So guys, that would be $600 billion more than currently, pushing the interest interest coverage ratio down to 0.3. So from 0.75 to 0.3. Forget distressed. At that point, we're bankrupt. If, if those bonds were corporate bonds, they'd trade pennies on the dollar at best and only because there'd be claims to assets to offset the risk. Meaning, if these were corporate, corporate bonds, they would be trading for almost nothing. They, they wouldn't be worth the paper they're written on. And the only reason anyone would buy them is because there'd be assets attached, like buildings, equipment, uh, probably land, possibly, machinery. So you know somebody could come in, buy the bonds, liquidate the company, sell all those assets, and possibly make some money. The United States government doesn't have that because we own our assets. 
the, the only thing our debt is backed on is the American people. So we don't even have that. So we, we don't have assets, guys, to offset our risk or to offset the investor's risk, I should say, which is a problem. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so all of this is, is before reduced tax revenues due to lower capital gains as the market sells off in this recession. Because guys, if, if the market sells off and some of our revenue comes from capital gains tax, corporate tax, employment tax, we go through inflation, tax revenues also start to come down. It can be bad. So... To avoid this immediate problem, the Fed will likely pivot, lowering interest rates and resuming quantitative easing. They simply kick the debt can down the road again. Inflation resumes, the Fed must raise rates to tame it, and U.S. borrows at higher rates to cover the deficit, and the circle keeps going. Guys, and he posts in here a few graphs going all the way out to 2050, and it does not look promising. The debt spiral is real. The other thing we could do would be let inflation run higher than the 2% target they currently have on it in order to raise G GDP and monetize the debt. They could use cheaper future dollars to pay for past debts and stick it on the Fed balance sheet through uh, quantitative easing. Still only a short-term solution. Investors will eventually demand higher treasury rates to compensate for being paid back in cheaper dollars and with an increased default risk. It's a debt trap that leads to a debt spiral. And though it's likely, it'll likely last a while, in his opinion, we're already in it. In my opinion, we're already in it too. So I bring this up and tell you because you guys, you guys have to protect yourselves here. Um, you know, our government has got us in this situation. The swamp rats, the uniparty have just bled us dry. To the point where there will come a moment in time where we won't make enough money to cover the expense. Just the debt expense, let alone our defense spending, infrastructure, entitlements like Medicare, Social Security. You know, our parents and grandparents warned us. They saw it coming. I mean, I remember hearing them talk about it all the time. Again, this is, our government's taking out too much debt, too much debt, too much debt. You guys are going to have to pay for this. And now here we are. And we're going to have to pay for this if we can. So there's ways that you guys can protect yourself. Um, it's probably prudent to have some investments allocated into physical gold, silver. Uh, because, guys, if the, if the United States government defaults, um, the dollar will be worthless almost overnight. And I, I don't mean to be doom and gloom on a, on a Friday, uh, but I just I need to bring you this. I thought this was a great thread. I've been concerned. I mean, I've shared the debt numbers with you guys on previous episodes. And, you know, I've, I've had conversations about maybe we need to buy some, some physical gold, some phys physical silver, because those are hard commodities that won't be affected. I mean, maybe a little bit, but we'll still have value if the U.S. dollar goes to zero, which if we default, it will. Um, so we, keep an eye on this. Uh, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, but I do definitely believe we're in a debt spiral. And I, I, 
I think there's some opportunity to pull out of it. You know, we're going to have to cut cut spending. We're going to have to cut expenses across the board, guys. And uh, a lot of people don't like their entitlements getting cut. I think anybody that's already on entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, all that, should be grandfathered in, no cuts, but moving forward, cuts. I think it's the only way to get around this. Um, we'll have to band together to do it. And if we don't, the, our government is just going to keep borrowing money. The, the dum-dums in D.C. are just going to keep spending us into oblivion. And it's like they think they can just print as much money as possible. There is one other possible saving grace, population increase. And our population, as of right now, seems like it's going to start trending back up because the younger millennials are starting to have kids now. They've just waited longer into their 30s. So a population growth can help because it can create more pro productivity, more labor, more everything. Um, that's not a guarantee though. Like we could, we could hit bankruptcy at, at least 10, we're at least 10 years out from that population growth, helping us in our financial situation, maybe 20. The problem is, is we could go bankrupt before that, unless we make drastic cuts. The only way we can make drastic cuts is if we are very careful about who we send to Washington, DC, we got to start sending people there who are serious about, pulling us out of this nosedive into oblivion and bankruptcy because it's coming. Um, yeah, so pay attention to it. I don't really I hate sounding all doom and gloom uh, on a Friday, um, but it's something we got to pay attention to. So pay attention to it. Uh, I'll end on a positive note. Uh, here's your public service announcement for the day. Take your money out of BlackRock and Vanguard because companies like that do not have our best interests in, in, at heart. And uh, we, we, need, we, we need to do that. Like, I, I, I can't stress it enough. They own way too much of the Fortune 500 companies in America. Well, and, and around the world. I mean, they're, they're trying to obtain global dominance in the financial markets. And uh, it's easy. You can just go take your money out of your IRA or if it's in a BlackRock mutual fund or a Vanguard mutual fund, just take it out. Put it in a self-directed IRA. The other thing that would help protect you in the event of a bankruptcy of the United States of America is owning land, real estate, rental units. Because even if our dollar is worthless, you will still be ahead of the game because you have something people will want, housing. And if, if even if we have to go to a barter system, you will make out because you will still own things. You will own hard assets. So move your money out of those companies and invest it yourself. Take care of yourself. Also, stop giving into the Republican and Democrat parties so we can get people in D.C. that care about fixing this stuff and not you know, driving us off the cliff into bankruptcy, which is what they're doing. So yeah, that's your PSA for Friday. And uh, I got to go. I know it's a short show, but I've got lots of stuff to do today. I've got to get to work. I do appreciate you guys checking in every single day. It, it means a lot to me. The show is growing, which is really cool to see. So keep sharing the show, guys. Please leave me your feedback, comments, ratings, and reviews so that I can continue to make the show better for you guys. I hope you got something out of today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back with you guys Monday morning, and I cannot wait until then. But until then, guys... Have a great American day and take care.